0: Now that you've over- overdosed on Romans, we need some more. Just wetting your appetite. Romans has been about the gospel for God's glory. That's what we've been talking about. Our lives are to be built on the gospel. We need the gospel every hour of every day. God will be glorified for all eternity because of what he accomplished in the gospel. That's why Paul ends the greatest letter ever written, as he does. So we're going to look at the last three verses of Romans, verses 25 to 27 of chapter 16. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but now has been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations, according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. To the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's ask for God's help. Father, We need your strength to bear the weight and the power of your word. And I need your strength to make your word clear and to to teach it as I ought to in a way that's helpful. Show us your glory. Show us more of Christ. May we go forth from this text in the power of the gospel. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first thing we see in verse 25 is God is able to strengthen you according to Paul's gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. So the gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ are parallel, similar terms. They talk about the same thing. When we talk about Jesus, we're talking about the gospel. And when we talk about the gospel, we're talking about Jesus. Paul calls the gospel my gospel. And back in chapter 1, verse 1, he said it was God's gospel. So whose gospel is it? Paul's or God's. Well, God started it. God planned it. He purposed it. He accomplished it through his son. And Paul is the the messenger. So it's God's and it's Paul's gospel. And he delivered it it to us, especially through writing the book of Romans, the letter to the Romans. So what is the gospel? Hopefully by now you've got a clue about that. The gospel in, in the core of it is... And the preaching of Jesus Christ, is the good news that Jesus died for our sins and was raised from the dead so that all who believe in him could be forgiven of their sins and have everlasting life. That's the gospel. More broadly, as Paul has expanded and expounded on it in Romans and, and teased out all that it means and all that it is, the gospel is not just the entryway to eternal life. It reveals all that God is for us and all that God does for us in Christ. The gospel is our lifeline for all that God gives to us in in Jesus Christ. It is our ongoing guarantee that no matter what happens, God is for us. And he is working all things to conform us to Christ. He's really interested in making us like Jesus. So if, if you're not wanting to be like Jesus, then the gospel is a dangerous thing. If you want to be like Jesus, you, you, you need to feed on the gospel. As Paul said in Romans 8, and 32, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Why does Paul close his letter with extolling God as him who is able to strengthen you? Why does he do that? Could it be that we're weaklings? The word translated strengthen means to cause someone to become stronger in the sense of more firm and and unchanging in attitude or belief. Paul said in in verse 11 of chapter 1, For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. So he he desired to come to Rome and strengthen the church. And how how is he going to do that? Well, he said in in verse 15 of chapter 1, he's eager to preach the gospel to them. So you, you might say, well, I thought the gospel was just for saving people. What does Paul mean when he says the gospel strengthens believers? Well, believing the gospel is not only the way we become Christians. It is the power that enables us to do the very things Jesus commands us to do every moment of every day. In fact, it, it is the power that enables us to want to do the things that Jesus wants us to do every moment of every day. Paul talks about that in, in a couple of places where he says God is He prays that God will establish or strengthen your hearts blameless in holiness. Or he talks about how God will comfort your hearts and strengthen them in every good work and word. So God, through the gospel, gets to our heart. Because if he gets our heart, he has us. And he strengthens our hearts to want to do what what God wants us to do. So we need our hearts strengthened through the gospel of Jesus Christ to do God's will and to want to do it. Now, how do we access the strength? Is it um, are we like Bruce Banner, who gets irradiated with the result that whenever he gets angry, he transforms into the Incredible Hulk? Well, it's not drawing on our own strength. It's not stirring up our own passion. It's it's not relying on our own strength or tapping into our own inner strength. Rather, it is by faith asking God to strengthen us to know, trust, and experience, and and to be able to contain what God has for us in Christ. And so we see that in Ephesians 3. I think i got a couple of these verses up on the screen. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse uh, 16, Paul says he's praying that according to the riches of God's glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. But Christ already dwells in their hearts through faith. What he's saying is he, we need the strength in order to experience the reality of Christ dwelling in our hearts through faith. We need his power to be able to contain that, to to be able to, for it to be real in us. And he goes on and says that you, being rooted and grounded in love, and then verse 18, that you may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. So we need the strength just to, to grasp all that God is for us in Christ. We need his strength and power to, to lay hold of it and to, to, to live and move in the, in the power and strength of it. We continually need strength through the gospel to perse- persevere in the faith and to grow into Christ-likeness. God strengthens us through the gospel. You need the gospel strength, the strength the gospel provides, to endure suffering and trials. That's what uh, Peter says in 1 Peter 5.10. In fact, he says, after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, and strengthen and establish you. Or in Acts 14.22, we read how Paul and Barnabas uh, were strengthening the souls of the disciples. How are they doing that? What What were they doing that for? Encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. So we need God's strength to endure through the many tribulations that we must go through in order to in, enter the kingdom of God. In Colossians 1.11, Paul's praying again. He prays that you may be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. So for enduring, being patient in trials and, and suffering with joy, you need God's strength. And it comes to the gospel. You might never really know Jesus is all you need until he's all you have. The last part of, of verse 25, and back in Romans 16, we see that the gospel is according to the, the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages. The mystery that was kept secret, that was kept quiet. It's like God's saying, shh, I'm keeping the working out of my saving plan. Secret. Do you like secrets? What does Paul mean by saying that the gospel was kept secret? Why did he keep it secret? Well, in verse 26, we we see some of those things. We see, first of all, that the mystery has now been disclosed. So it was a mystery, but it's now been disclosed. It's no longer being kept secret. How How has it been disclosed? Well, Paul says the mystery has been made known through the prophetic writings. That refers to the Old Testament. How can the gospel be a mystery that was kept secret in the Old Testament and at the same time be made known through the prophetic writings? It was a secret back then, but it was revealed. So, which is it? Was it a secret or was it revealed? In one sense, the revelation of the gospel is hidden and obscure in the Old Testament the elements of the gospel were not clearly revealed as they were after Christ was raised from the dead. But in another sense, the gospel fulfills what was prophesied and foreshadowed in the Old Testament. Now that the gospel has been fulfilled in in the person and work of Christ, through the teaching of the apostles, we can see that what was hidden in the Old Testament has been fulfilled. So it's not arbitrarily reading back into the Old Testament uh, how Christ fulfilled it. it. You can't understand the Old Testament really, without seeing how Christ fulfilled it. and Paul talks a lot about that the mystery aspect of, of the gospel being hidden in other in other letters as well. So it's a big theme for him. It was a mystery before how God was going to really do all this, pull this off. And he's now brought it to light. So saying that the gospel of Christ was a mystery doesn't mean that there was nothing revealed at all in the Old Testament about Christ and God's plan of salvation through him. It means prophecies and foreshadowed pictures of what was to come didn't yet reveal the whole story. By God's plan, the elements and forms of the Old Testament were incomplete. God's purpose was always that they would be fulfilled in Christ and his kingdom. That was always his plan. It's like a book or a movie in which there's an unfolding story. When you get to the last chapter or toward the end of, end of, the, of the movie, how the earlier elements of the story were going to, to work out becomes clear. Knowing the end or the fulfillment of the story allows you to understand the earlier parts in a way you couldn't have before. So, for example, in The Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe, you wonder, is there any redemption for Edmund? Because he really blows it big. Um, in The Lord of the Rings, what purpose will the ring play? And how are these little hobbits going to save Middle Earth? Or in Star Wars, you wonder, are they really going to keep making sequels? (laughs) It's only in knowing the end of the story, how they reach their conclusion, that you rightly understand how the preceding parts fit into the fulfillment. Paul says the mystery has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God. So the fulfillment of the mystery that was in the Old Testament has been made known to the nations. God chose the descendants of Abraham to be his people through whom blessing would come to the nations. Now that Christ has fulfilled the promises made and the laws entrusted to Israel, the fulfillment of the mystery could be proclaimed to the nations. And the fulfillment of the mystery was according to the the command of the eternal God, he says. That means that God determined the timing in history uh, of the fulfillment and the unleashing of the gospel to the nations. So this answers the question, why did God keep the revelation of the mystery a secret? And the answer is, God, who is eternal, who knows and plans the whole history of human race, sovereignly determined to progressively accomplish and reveal his plan of salvation. He planned it that way. He didn't unload the whole thing at once. He had a purpose for stretching it out for centuries and unfolding the plan with increasing clarity. So he wasn't making it up as he went. He determined the timing of his unfolding plan according to his eternal wisdom. And then we see that the gospel has been made known to the nations to bring about the obedience of faith. Oh, you knew there was a catch. It said obedience term. Paul has bracketed his letter with the declaration of his his gospel mission because back in verse 5, we had that read to us. Through Christ, we, the apostles, have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations. The nations have a problem with obedience. It's ODD. You know what that is. Obedience Deficit Disorder. Because they don't trust God. They don't believe in him as he has revealed himself. Paul says God's purpose in making known the gospel to the nations is that in every nation, some will believe in Jesus, and through that they will obey him. With the result that he saves them in his righteousness, gives them the Holy Spirit, so that they become an obedient people. Paul didn't conceive of a gospel that people just believed in and um, just save. From God's judgment without transforming their lives he taught that we are made right with God by faith alone but not by faith that is alone in other words the faith that by grace receives Christ's righteousness for a right standing with God also unites us to Christ and that frees us and empowers us for a right living to God by grace, through faith, he unites us to Christ to live new lives of obedience. That's what Paul's taught a lot about in chapter 6. He said, you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And then in chapter 8, we, we learned that the, the Holy Spirit who indwells us leads us to kill sin and to uh, and leads us to obey God's word. So... The, As we've noted before, the word for nations doesn't refer to nation states like Germany, Russia, China. It refers to people groups, to to similar cultural groups, to ethnic groups, of which there are about 16,000 in the world. And there are still 6,600 to reach with the gospel. God wants representative, faith-obedient communities among every people group. So we are privileged to support one of our mission workers, Roderick Gilbert, who leads a disciple-making and church-planting movement throughout northern India. And for the past several years, this has resulted in over 5,000 per year new churches being planted. Not churches like this, but churches that meet in homes, like small groups, 12, 20, 30 people, but groups of people who are obeying Christ in India. This is God's agenda for the rest of history, This is what God's doing in history. Until Jesus returns, history is not just random events. God is arranging all of history to bring some from every nation to the obedience of faith. And then we get to verse 27. Last verse in Romans. We've been there since January of 2015, just in case you wondered. One church took seven years to get through it, so you're lucky, maybe. (laughs) Paul says to the only wise God, be glory forevermore. He also got really excited about God's wisdom back at the end of chapter 11. He said in chapter 11, verse 33, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable. You say, what does that mean? How incomprehensible un- are his ways. Humans would never have come up with this way of salvation. How awesome is God's wisdom. How awesome is God's wisdom in pulling it off, in purposing, planning, and accomplishing the obedience of faith among the nations when the nations are so against him, so ignorant of him. Even when they think they're following him, they're not. And because of this, God will receive glory forevermore through Jesus Christ for all eternity, we will be glorifying God for what he has done in the gospel through Jesus for all eternity. That's that's we're going to be continuing. We, hey, we remember the, in, in taking the Lord's Supper together, we're going to remember it through all eternity. We're never going to forget what God has done for us. So in this life, we get a running start at glorifying him for eternity. We are made to love God And in loving God, to love his glory. His glory is the radiance of his excellence. His glory is his exalted majesty. It's the awesomeness of his sovereign power. It is the beauty of his holiness and his goodness. If I was to choose just one of those words, I would choose beauty. Not like a Canadian slang word, beauty, eh? But be the glory of God is his beauty. We instinctively love to gaze at, to celebrate, to delight in beautiful things. Sunsets, mountain vistas, the Grand Canyon, starry night, great works of art, people. These are smaller doses of the beauty we would see in God in our fallen condition, we substitute other, other lesser glories for God's glory. We are blind to the glory of God. We, we trade God's glory for other things. Through the gospel, the eyes of our hearts are enabled to see and, and savor and enjoy and delight in the beauty or the glory of God. It is in the gospel that we see God's glory or his beauty most clearly. So, in Second Corinthians chapter 4, Paul tells us that the God of this world, Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. He does this through the gospel. He, he just speaks, be, receive sight to be able to see my glory through, through Christ. Through the gospel, the theme of Romans has been the gospel for God's glory. Paul called the gospel the the gospel of God back in chapter one. If you want God, you got to come to Him through the gospel, the gospel of the glory of Christ. You must believe His gospel, the good news about His Son. And if you believe the gospel, your life will be increasingly transformed to glorify God. You become like what you worship. Whatever your heart focuses on and delights in shapes your life. What you fill your mind and your heart with inevitably determines what you become. So... What are you focusing on these days? What do you devote your eyes, your mind, your heart to? Is it decreasing or increasing your delight in God's glory? Well, one thing you can do is study Romans. Focus on Romans. Just camp there. You could do worse things. There you'll see the gospel as in its fullness. And God shows us his glory through his word. How do we glorify God? By, just by singing. Singing is great. Singing of God's glory is awesome. Exalting him is, in song is good. But more than that, we glorify him most when we are most satisfied in him. We show by how we speak and live that we value and treasure him more than anything. We need to hold fast to the gospel for God's glory more than ever. In our increasingly post-Christian culture, it's going to be increasingly costly to remain faithful to the gospel. Those who live in the obedience of faith to Christ will be increasingly marginalized. We will be thought more and more weird We are. Or worse than weird. Do you have the strength to endure? To say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation. Yeah, because I don't have the power. I don't have the power to do anything for God. I don't have the power to save myself. I don't have the power. I need his power through the gospel. May the God who is able to strengthen us according to Paul's gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ strengthen us to trust in, to treasure, and spread the gospel, to live and bring about the obedience of faith for the glory of God now and forevermore. You have things you need strength for. You have physical sicknesses. You have relatives that are sick. You have financial struggles. You have struggles living for Jesus at work. You have conflicts in your family and in your marriage, you need strength that comes to the gospel because you don't want human strength in those situations. You want God's strength through the gospel, and he gives it to you freely. Well, we're going to uh, pray, and we're going to also receive the offering. So let's pray. Father, Thank you for the Gospel. Thank you for the message of Jesus Christ. Thank you that you are the God who strengthens us through the Gospel for doing and living your will, for representing and growing and becoming like Jesus. Help us, Father. Grant us your strength to live the Gospel in all the situations we find ourselves in. And may we continue to be satisfied in you more and more, be glorifying your name in all that we do, think and say. And, Father, a portion of how we do that is through giving of our resources to your work. So we thank you, Father, that we're privileged to have a part in your work, the gospel of movement in of Washougal, and among the nations. So take these gifts, multiply them, Make them effective for the spread of and the growth of the gospel in our community. And may we grow deeper into and grow up further into, but never get over the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's in his name. Amen.